my faithful and loyal readers and listeners. <clears throat> Welcome to another segment of Verse of the Day. And today's segment is going to be a little bit different. We're going to do this a little bit differently, so it's going to be a little bit longer than it normally is. So today's passage that we're going to look at comes from 1 John 4, 7 through 5, 4. And it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world, so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be, atoning, to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we, must, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and His love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in Him and He in us. He has given us given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testified the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God. God remains in him. And this love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also we are. So also are we in this world. There's no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. We have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father also loves also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children. When we love God and obey his commands, for this is what love for God is, to keep his commands, and his commands are not a burden, because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. So although love is an aspect of the Holy Spirit's fruit, the character traits he develops in Christians' lives, and evidence of the life transformation that comes with spiritual salvation, it is also something that we are responsible to develop. For this reason, John expects us to love others and to show love with practical action that seeks to benefit others. John is not talking about just feelings of concern, but deliberate choices to help people with their needs. We are to show love for three reasons. Love is the very nature of God. That is from verses 7 through 9. Verses 7 through 9. which say 
dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who, is, who does not love does not know God because God has love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. We share his nature because we are born of him. That comes from verse 7. Everyone who has love, which says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Uh, which he showed by giving his love, by giving his own son for us. I skipped. So that's verses 9 through 10. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. So then we share his nature because we are born of him. And the second reason is because God loved us when we have experienced his love, forgiveness, and help, and are obligated to help others even at great personal cost. And the third reason, if we love one another, God continues to live in us, and his love is made complete in us. Which comes from verse 12, uh, which says, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. So that takes us up through verse 12. So we're going to kind of skip down to verse 17, which says, In this love is made complete with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. So as long as our motives and actions show that we are in a right relationship with Christ and God the Father, and God the Father, that the Holy Spirit lives in us, that we aim to obey God's commands, that we do not participate in the world's corrupt practices, that we are loyal to the truth, and that we love others as God does, then we can have confidence on the day of judgment. So the next verse, which is verse 18, says there is no fear in love. It said perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We don't have to fear God's judgment if we are in a right relationship with Him. His love for us, our love for Him, and our love for others confirm our spiritual salvation. So then we're going to skip down to 1 John 5 1, which says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of Him. Genuine faith in God will express itself in gratitude to, to and love for the Father and Christ Jesus his Son. True faith and active love are, are inseparable because when we are born of God, which means when we have accepted his forgiveness and become his child, the Holy Spirit pours God's love into our hearts. The belief in God that John describes is more than mentally acknowledging that God exists or that his word is true. It's a matter of active faith that surrenders one's life to God's control for his complete guidance and leadership. So then the next verse, verse 2, says, This is how we know that we love God's children. When we love God and obey his commands. True Christian love, which is the fruit of... Alright, so true Christian love, which is the fruit of the Christian's love for God, 
obedience to his commands will express itself in unselfish love for others. The second greatest commandment. That is to say, the acts of love towards others are evidence of true love for God. And the next verse, verse 3 says, For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands, and his commands are not a burden. True children of God will not consider God's commands, principles, and guidelines too heavy, unpleasant, or unreasonable. This does not mean that his commands will be easy to live by. Yet as John explains in verse 4, it says, You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Our faith and spiritual salvation bring the Holy Spirit's power into our lives, giving us both the desire and the ability to obey God. And the very last verse from this passage says, Because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world. Our faith. The faith that allows God's people to overcome the world's corrupt influences in its fierce opposition to God's people is a faith that looks beyond natural appearances and sees eternal realities. It is a faith that experiences God's power and loves Christ to such an extent that the world's sinful pleasures, misguided values, ungodly ways, and selfish materialism lose their appeal. Instead, we are repulsed by these things and grieved at the destruction that sin and worldly ideas cause in people's lives. John's whole point in this passage is that as followers of Christ, we are, we are to be different than the world. And the biggest way that we can show this difference is through love. We as followers of Christ are to model Christ's love to the world. Then as what Jesus would ask the greatest commandments were, he replied in this way, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two, on these two commands. Love is the greatest command that God has given us. God commands us to love him and to love others. And the world could use a little more godly love. And that concludes our verse of the day segment. Now we're going to move on to another installment of our segment on redemption. And today's topic for that is what happened after Jesus died. So before we delve into that, we're going to look at several passages of scripture. The first comes from 1 Corinthians 15, 55, which says, Where all death is your victory, where all death is your sting. The next one is Luke 24, verse 27 and 32. And it says, Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And then they asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? The next one comes from Acts 1, 8 through 9. And it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. The next one also comes from Acts, and it's Acts 2, 23 through 24. It says, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. 
but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And the last one is 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 9. Which says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Caiaphas, or Cephas, which is Peter, and then to the twelve, and that he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some, some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For, my, for I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, which were the words of Paul. So in answer to our previous question, what happened after Jesus died? After three, three days, Jesus rose bodily from the dead, leaving an empty tomb behind him. But what does the resurrection of Jesus mean? We know that his crucifixion paid for our sins, but what about his resurrection? What does it accomplish, and why does it matter? Is Jesus' resurrection just dramatic proof that Jesus is God, that he is who he said he, said he is? Or is it just what had to happen? for Jesus to go to heaven after he died. There's some misunderstanding about the resurrection because there's some misunderstanding about the crucifixion. After all, what did the crucifixion actually accomplish? James 1.15 tells us that idolatry, that is putting things before God, leads to sin, and sin leads to death. So if Jesus' crucifixion dealt with sin, and if sin leads to death, and it makes sense that Jesus' crucifixion signaled a victory over death. But how did this happen? It works like this. If the power of death resides with sin, and if sin has been defeated, then death has had, it, has had its power stripped away. That is why death cannot hold Jesus. That is why the tomb couldn't contain him. Because he conquered sin and thus conquered death. It's what the resurrection means. It's evidence that the cross worked. God raising Jesus from the dead shows that sin and death have been defeated once and for all. And that defeat, and that defeat of death doesn't just apply to Jesus. It's true for all of those who put their trust in Jesus. One day when Jesus returns, death will be swallowed up altogether. And Christians will live with Jesus forever. Spend some, spend some time today and thank God for raising Jesus from the dead.